Hello and welcome to the Unmissables podcast, our weekly gallop through the week's major pop culture events slash mostly TV, as I like to say every week. Although this week, I'm going to review a massive, huge film. I'm going to review the film that I've been most interested, intrigued, excited about, probably for many a year. Steph, I'm looking at you, really? like you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. I'm joined by Steph Seeland, that was her voice there saying, yeah, really. <laughs> Hello. And Kay Ribeiro. Hi. Hi. Two of my uh, glorious colleagues. Oh. And today we are looking at the great Louis Theroux's new documentary, Dark States, colon, Heroin Town. Yes, from the title, your judge is not going to be a bundle of laughs. No, this is serious. <laughs> that is followed by... A potential bundle of laughs. Mm-hmm. Oh my god! Sounds like a radio and DJ <laughs> from the seventies. <laughs> Time wasters, which is a new comedy on ITV Two, and finally, the hugely anticipated Dynasty Dynasty, mm. the reboot. As ever, though, we start the first part of the podcast with a jolly look at what we're all watching, listening to, reading this week. And I know Kay's read loads of books, haven't you? Oh my, have you watched lots of TV shows? Actually, Boyd, you oh. thought you were being quite smart, but actually, I have read a book. <laughs> in your ah, face, in your face, Boyd. Um, it's called The Power by uh, Naomi Alderman. Actually, that I wanted to tell you about. It was out last year in hardback, so as always, I'm a bit like slow off the uptake with it. But it was out paperback in April. And Steph, you're gonna love this, but don't comment because we've had, you know, okay. It's a dystopian science fiction novel, mm-hmm. right? So usually, it's not my kind of cup of tea because I don't really go in for the dystopian. You know. Wait, one minute. You like we know Steph. Yeah. Long-term listeners may know that Steph is weirdly averse to anything described as dystopian. I didn't realise you were anti-dystopian too. I'm not anti. It's just it's not what I choose to oh, okay. watch right. or read. But a Fine. friend, ex okay. review deputy reviews editor Deb Fraser recommended oh, this book to right. me, so I was like, okay, let's give it a go. And it's all about basically women suddenly becoming the dominant gender through having like electrical charges within <laughs> them. Just, I'm so sorry. And destroy and releasing it through their fingertips and being able to kill people. That yeah. does sound quite grim, which makes Steph's no, little laugh in the middle of that explanation frankly oh, inappropriate. It's only because I was going to say the or everything that she was describing with all the reasons that I do not like the D word. Oh, the dystopia. God, it sounds a bit Handmaid's Tale. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. It, it is a little bit. Yeah, yeah, and there's an uprising and everything. Oh, so okay. it's like, yeah, it's, it's similar. And I don't usually go in for that, but I, it's very good. It's very well written. So if you get a chance to read it and you haven't already, you should. Please tell out. us again the title and the author of this uh, work. The title is The Power, mm-hmm. and the authoress is Naomi Alderman. Excellent. And anything so else you've been yeah. watching? Re- I also went to a screening on um, for the George Michael oh, Freedom yeah. documentary Lucky. on Channel 4. Now, I've signed an embargo. There's probably a Channel 4 sniper oh. on me, so I can't actually tell you anything about the contents, but I just have to say it is extraordinary. Everyone's got to be aware of it. It's coming out mid-October, and it's about his formative years as a um, like as a musician, a singer, and um, it follows his kind of like his album, Listen Without Prejudice. So the lead up to that afterwards. Classic album. And his like big court case with Sony and his and the man he truly loved. And it's, it's so emotional. And this was a documentary he himself was working on, I do believe, before he He died. was absolutely part of it. So like he's mm. speaking throughout. He edited it up until just before he um, sadly passed away. So uh-huh. it's, it is Honestly, everyone has to watch it. It's, I, in my opinion, it's better than the Amy Winehouse. I think you may already have said too much. I think you may already have broken the embargo. But hopefully, Channel 4 won't mind because you've said very nice things. No. There's a man coming towards the booth no. looking for you. Embargo I man. Yeah. The embargo yeah. monster. Take her away, people. Take her away. Yeah. Sorry, no. Channel 4. Anything you've watched, embargo breaking or not? Kay's going to go nuts because all I've done has been on Netflix. Okay. <sighs> I've watched two things on Netflix, which I was very pleased with. Because, as you know, the thing that I do like is murder and stuff like that. Not dystopian murder. Not dystopian murder. Not committing murder. Murder murder things, drug things, all stuff like that. So I've been watching two things. Utopian murder. Yes. So the first thing I watched, which actually sort of ties into another thing we're going to review, but I'd watched this before. Spooky. I know. It's called Heroin. But heroin with an E on the end, okay? And it's about three, it's about West Virginia's devastating opioid epidemic and three women that are trying to deal with it. It's a fire chief, a judge, and a missionary. And that they're going out trying to sort the whole thing out. And it's. God, you've had a real heroin uh, yeah. like view Isn't this time almost exactly the, the yeah. same? <laughs> well. Sorry to speak over Kay there. And I apologise because it has been pointed out by no less than actual professional radio critics that we do speak over each other sometimes. Mm-hmm. But. 
Um, isn't that, as Kay was about to say, like exactly the same subject match as the Louis Through documentary we're about to review later on in this podcast? Well, the crazy thing is, is when I watched the Louis Through documentary, I was like, oh, she looks familiar. Oh, it's the fire chief. You're kidding me. No, it is. So... You think, you know, you wait years for one documentary about exactly. the heroin problem in America to come along, and then two come along, and it's all the same way. Yeah, in West Virginia. Well, it's a huge in problem there, which we'll discuss for later on. But it's, if you like Louis Theroux, which I'm sure you will, then this is a good accompaniment to that. And if you like well. heroin, it's a particular If you like heroin, thing. you definitely should watch it. It's and more-ish. the other thing I've been watching on Netflix is the confession tapes. What's, What's that? Tell? Right. Okay, confession tapes is all about, so false confessions is a big deal, okay? You guys might not know about this, but it is. Lots of people falsely confess because they've been... Coerced. You know, yeah, they've been coerced well, and they've not slept for three days and the police are like, you did it, you did it, and they go, yeah, I did do it. But they making didn't. a murderer? Yeah, exactly, there you go. Yeah, Brendan Dassey. Classic, Bren- right. classic, Brendan Dassey. Yeah. Okay, so this is all about uh, the, the people who make false confessions, but some of them literally made false confessions and they're still in prison. But it's fascinating and it, it really scares you because it's so, you think, oh my God, if I didn't have like a cup of tea um, and then I hadn't eaten for three days, I might confess to something. It's Imagine really if they scary. took away your biscuits. You'd be, if uh, they took away my biscuits, I'd confess to anything. God, I must remember to commit that crime and then get Steph to confess about yeah. it after, yeah. after yeah. depriving her it. of tea. No, yeah. I'd do it. For a few days. But both those really good, but I'm sorry, Kay, they are both on That's Netflix. That's fine. Netflix is very good. I'm just saying other streaming, you know... Services are available. Yeah, available. So. Yeah. Good, good that we've got case official, though. Netflix is quite good. Yeah. Is that what you just said? I'm giving it four stars. Four stars. <laughs> four stars. Harsh. Five if they gave me an account. As hey, always, listen, say, go what, on, what, what have you been watching? Oh, thanks, Kay. Thanks for asking. <laughs> um, lots this week. I mean, I could name drop... Just spend the. Na- it could be the, a new name drop feature. Oh god! Well, I mean, it's not new because I name drop every week. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say, why are you breaking that? Just of this well, that's the podcast. Boy, name drops. It is. It's the alternative title for it. But this on Tuesday, last Tuesday, I interviewed no less than Kit Harrington. <gasps> Kit Harrington. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know we're not supposed to say wows at OMG and gasp, but it's another Come thing we've been critiqued for by some people. But we fly okay, in the, okay. so in the I Facebook said it ironically. Yeah, I'd but say. who could say, oh, I spent some time with Kit Harrington and the other person's response not be, my goodness, that's right. incredible. Exactly. They wouldn't have a pulse. Yeah. No. Um, so he was talking about this new. I think I'm also embargo. I'm triple embargoed this week. I think there's three things I'm, I'm, I have to be careful. Break about. them all. Come on, go down. Go down with me. As we say, we're allowed to mention them, aren't we? Without fully. But so anyway, the, the show is Gunpowder. It's about the Gunpowder plot, and it's arriving probably quite close to 5th of November. I imagine, although they haven't announced Ooh. it yet. It's a BBC three-part drama, and he created it. it was his idea? Kit, Kit Harrington's Harrington. idea. Yeah. I know. Kit Harrington created. Yes. A show about yes. the Gunpowder plot. Correct. Things I never thought I'd hear. I know. Hear. And um, he doesn't play Guy Fawkes, though. Oh, no. Guy Fawkes is in it. But he plays Guido this other Fawkes. guy. Guido Fawkes. right. Thanks. Hmm. Um, he plays this other guy who was embroiled in the plot with Guy Fawkes. Which was, one does he play? I can't remember his name. Okay. And uh, if I did, it'd probably be breaking the embargo. Right. So, you know, Don't I'm not going into boys. too much detail. Anyway, all I'd say is he's an absolute delight. He's in such a good mood. That's what. That's the main thing I have to say. Why is he not? Is guy. he not normally? No, like sometimes you know, big star actors. But you know, the funny thing is, I found out three hours later that was the day he announced his engagement. I know. I meant yeah. to say oh. to you, it was. So I was thinking he's in a really good mood, and he even told like a funny story about his fiance. And then it turned out three hours later. Probably why? Yeah, they, they made the announcement that very day that he was engaged to be married, and everyone was like, "Oh, that's, that's why." Mm. So happy Kit. And was I've met him once, and I handed him a glass of water. That's my Kit Harrington story. Was he, was he, he said, can I have a drink? And I said, would you like a lot, this glass of water? And he said, yes. And I handed it to him. And that was the was end. Char- key, key, key thing. Did he say thank you? Yeah. He did say thank you, actually. Oh, what did he ask in a charming way or in a slightly, give me a drink? No, what he it? said it in a nice way. I did, yeah, I, didn't, I don't think he particularly wanted to be where he was at oh, the time. Okay. So he, he wasn't as happy. What, in your house? Yeah, he didn't want to be. He didn't want <laughs> Chained up in your house? To, yeah, let him out the front door. Were you doing that false confession? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she was trying to get a confession out of him, forcing him to watch you true crime. You do love me, don't you? <laughs> so I was to say, say you love me. Um, no, I don't think he particularly wanted to be where he wanted to be, but he was very, very polite and very sweet. And I, I thought his hair was lustrous. He, we talked about his hair, among Did other you? things, yeah. Yeah, again, breaking the embargo. Not allowed to say no. what he said. <laughs> um, but in a few weeks' time, I think the magazine will be able to read everything that he said about his hair and gunpowder. Um, then, the next, the very next day, so yeah. Kit Harrington, Tuesday. Wednesday, Dave Attenborough. So Dave. <gasps> My friend. Your friend. And in your same audience, I went to see this big um, premiere. Oh, there was a special guest, wasn't there? You Blue, said there's yeah. going to be a special guest. Blue Planet 2. Do you know who the special guest was? Oh, a whale. No. Hold on. No, no, let's have a guess. Um, oh, God, do you I actually genuinely not know? Because I told everyone else. 
Um, no, I don't know. Um, why didn't you tell? Okay, I'm going to guess. I know um, this. Uh, I mean, Kit Harrington again. No. Oh, the I Queen. Mean, close. Ooh. It was random royal. It was Prince William. Prince William was there. Not so and random. Prince well, William, yeah, the Prince William. Yeah, it was at the um, the IMAX in mm. the BFI IMAX in London's Waterloo, mm. and there was a whole security procedure. People, journalists, there were a lot of journalists like me there. Well, obviously, select few journalists like me, and we all had to. Go, <laughs> there were like three queues, and oh, the whole thing was a palaver because you have there's a massively complicated security thing in operation when a royal comes to yeah, a of premiere. Course. Yeah, so this whole thing, but. Luckily enough, I was with my friend who decided, who spotted the, the thing, the reserved seats for Prince William. And so we sat in his row. So he oh. was five feet How away close? from me. And now I'm not a royalist. I don't give a shit about them, to be honest. But what? it was quite exciting to see him in the flesh, sit down next to Sir David Attenborough. You're Lord. not a bit more of a royalist now that you've actually no, seen really. Wills? No, I'm kind of slightly less of a royalist because we had to wait about an hour for the thing to start. Oh, Goodness, but just because you had to wait Kay's half an hour. Yeah, Kay's Kay's Kay and I are big royalists, everybody. We you're love you're the preposterous, anyway. Listeners, Kay just gave me the most what? scathing look I've ever had from I'm her. And I've her. had a lot of scathing looks from her. I'm gonna I'm double scathing that. Um why was he there though? Just to give it, you know, just to be he there. Wanted an it was a premiere, it was the premiere of the thing. So like a, I guess like a big film premiere. They just invited they turned it into a royal event and um the other thing is say so yes, Radiohead were there because they've contributed a music to a kind of a kind of it's I think they're calling it like um, a preview of the series it's basically like a music video they've done oh, wow. in association with the show with clips from from the from the series and Hans Zimmer the legendary yeah. composer wrote the music so there's this whole thing that he wrote with Radiohead and he's written the music for the whole series and he was there as well the whole thing was extraordinary was, was David almost, was David there and of course oh, too much to take in he was a lot to take what in what was he like All, Oh, he was Come brilliant, on. of course. But all I, the other final thing I'd say yeah. is it's all embargoed again. Oh. Is it's watching Blue Planet two. So this is the, mm. it's again coming up soon on BBC One. We'll review it here. It's it's um, all about what happens in the oceans. Like <laughs> the oceans. <laughs> Sorry. People might not know. No, they might People not might know. think it's about a special blue, blue planet they might. that's out there. Yes, yes, it is about the oceans. It's about yes. the oceans, all right? Right, okay. Water yeah. and shit. Not yeah. a blue stuff. planet. Yeah. And watching it on the IMAX screen is incredible. That's all I'm going to say. Is it going to when it comes out? Is it going to be? Can you what? Is it going to be available to watch on the IMAX? No, it's going to be on television. On your television. All right. So yeah. it's, it was great for this you. Was great for me, yeah. But it's not going to be good <laughs> yeah. for anyone. Wow. I'd okay. Well, that was a bit misleading. Oh, sorry. Oh, watch it on the IMAX is great. You'll never be <laughs> no, able to do I, it. I, I said but... I watched it on the IMAX and it was great. Yeah. Okay. And I can't advise anyone else to, so I don't think we're going to be able to. Three words. Unless you own good your own, you. if you own GFY. your own IMAX, who, who does? GFY. Good for me. Um, GFM and. <laughs> Finally, just to round home how spoiled I am. Also, at the another IMAX, I watched Blade Runner 2049. Ryan Gosling. Yes, and Harrison Ford. Was it a premiere? Was he there? No, no one was there. It was just a screening for critics. Oh, fine. Yeah. No royals. Um, it's, out this, it's out this Thursday, everyone. No whales. Yeah, right. so, and um, the interesting thing about this was, so again, I think this is embargoed till now. I think we're fine. I think the embargo's gone. But the woman from Sony, so it's a, distributed by Sony, and all the critics were gathered, like Empire was next to me, um, proper film critics like that. And it was in the massive IMAX screen at Square. And the lovely woman from Sony had to climb all the way up to where we were sitting at the back of the IMAX cinema to read out a statement from director Daniel Villeneuve. Mm. Which was never happened before in a screening in my life, and he basically asked all the critics to be to not describe the plot. And I don't mean he didn't say no spoilers, like don't describe what happens in the end or don't describe this thing or that thing. He said, do not describe the plot in your reviews. What? I thought it was really interesting. Is you, Blade Has Runner ever, like Blade Runner? Is it a re, what is it? Is it a reboot of the original it's a Blade Runner? No, it's a sequel. It's a so sequel. The original Blade Runner came out in 1982, mm. 35 years ago. I hate that film. Sorry, yeah, it is awful. I'm not looking forward to it at all, but maybe it's got Ryan Gosling in it. It's the only thing that could make me watch a film called Blade Runner again. Absolutely. Hold on. So, you, so it's one of my favourite films. It's in the top five, right. I would say. It doesn't surprise me it's okay. in your top five. Okay. Is it in your top five, bottom five? I mean, five? I haven't seen, haven't seen it. it. Oh, okay, gosh, good. So it. Kay's in the middle. Kay's a Blade Runner virgin. <laughs> She'd hate <laughs> it. it. She would hate it. Is it on she Netflix? Is it available? It. Can I say You would hate Netflix. it. You should watch it and tell us how much you hate I'll it. I'll lend you the, the DVD. Anyway. Okay. Um, it's so it, that was th 35 years ago, and I watched it on the very first day it came out. I went to the cinema, I remember the cinema. I went to the <laughs> ABC Shaftesbury Avenue, as it was then known, with I think Nick Hastert, I'm pretty sure, my schoolmate. I was 15, <laughs> and it was one of the most mind blowing experiences of our time. And people say in a lot of reviews, people say, Oh, it wasn't hailed at the time. People, but we, we I remember thinking, we both thought it was absolutely brilliant, and a lot of people did. Like, critics might not have thought it that, but it was incredibly a visual, overwhelming experience. 
Watch the first few minutes of Blade Runner. I'm going to lend it to you now properly, okay? And you'll and, and it is an incredible. That's that the stunning opening vista of LA set then in like 2019, I think, is an incredible sight. And then you get to see the whole thing with Harrison Ford, etc. So that film was about how Harrison Ford was a Blade Runner tracking down replicants, which are. <laughs> You're laughing already, aren't you? Because this is dystopian, isn't it? I know. Oh, I've just realised. Yeah. Is Blade Runner the dystopian science fiction that turned you against dystopia yeah, for really, all time? I really, really hate Blade Runner. And you know what else I hate? Tron. I hate all films like that. I don't like Tron. I'm not keen on Tron. Uh, but Blade Tron's Runner like Blade is... Runner for idiots. Blade Runner. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's great true. Yeah. But also Blade Runner is is just awful. No, it's brilliant. So Blade Runner, so Harrison Ford, K. Okay. I'm not even talking to Steph. Okay, Harrison. fine. Harrison Ford was a detective Deckard. He was, his job was to track down these rogue replicants. So the idea of replicants is they're exactly like human beings. You cannot they look look and behave exactly like us. Replicas. Yeah, but then they're not really robots. They're literally bred in a certain way to be like humans and they can be used as slaves, basically, off-world. So it's set in a future world where the world itself is almost being destroyed by So a bit like humans. That, and they're, and everyone's moved off world, but the, the, yeah, they're like humans, but no, bred TV to bred to accept human rule over them, if you like. Yeah, like slaves, basically. You're nodding like you're really interested. No, Thanks. I am. And then in this one, so that was that was 35 years ago. Thumbs up from Kay. Um, Harrison Ford was trying to find the rogue ones that rebelled, as you know, Steph, because you mm. watched it. So all I'll say about this one, set 30 years later, now yeah, in 2049, is, is that. We meet Ryan Gosling's character, who's Detective Welcome. K, working for the LAPD. And it's his, he's still trying to track down the rogue replicants that are out there. So they still haven't all been caught, and there's other rogue replicants out there. And then from then on, an elaborate mystery plot unfolds. And I'm going to follow the advice of Denis Villeneuve, the director, and not reveal any more of the plot. But all I'll say is, I think you've got to see it, even though you don't like the original. Because it's one of the yeah. most mind-blowing visual experiences you'll ever have in the cinema, particularly if you go to the IMAX and watch it there. <laughs> Are you working for IMAX? No, I'm not. I'm not being paid Does by IMAX at all. I just want to make that perfectly clair It's an beaut. Every shot is spectacularly beautiful. He is brilliant. Ryan Gosling, he's a bit like how he was in Drive. You know, that very yeah. moody, moody, enigmatic figure. But he's perfect for it in that role. And um, Harrison Ford is incredible. One of his greatest ever performances. Not we, you know, everyone loves Harrison Ford, but he does yeah. stuff in this film. Shall we say again, without giving anything away, that is really like pushing him to the edge of Harrison Fordness. Yeah. yeah, and um, and I think it is final proof. Denis Villeneuve. You must, I know you're a fan of it because I know yes. you like Prisoners. Yes, I yes. do. I do. I just don't. Arrival. Like do you like Arrival? I love Arrival. Yeah, yeah I one do. of the best films of last year. I just I. Look, Sicario. Said, yeah, you like Sicario? Oh, I really love that he, film. I'm saying now. Okay. I may have said this already in this podcast. Right. I can't remember. I think he's now the most reliably brilliant film director in the world. You haven't actually wow. said that. So. I'm saying it now. Because he go on. It could look. You mentioned Drive, okay? Yeah. The thing about Drive is, Drive is, for people who don't particularly like Ryan Gosling as an actor for the normal kind of, like, he does a lot of rom-coms and things like that, that's the kind of film that people do like of Ryan Gosling's if they like Ryan Gosling as an actor. Yeah. So I think, but I just think if anyone could rescue me from my hatred of Blade Runner, and also, one of my big pet hates is when people say, oh, I really love a certain iconic film, and you think, you don't. You don't really. You just like it, or they have a poster what? of it. Like I think a lot of people think it's popular to like, like really. But then iconic I feel like we're going, we're going down that road of lying about seeing stuff just for the sake of joining in a yeah, conversation. Yeah, we are. No, no, no. I do think that, but I think that happens. But also I, think, I don't think everyone who likes an iconic film is lying about it. No, I'm not saying they are. I'm saying oh. that some people do do that, and I think one of those films that people say they really like is Blade Runner. When I think you don't really like it. I see. But you did genuinely dislike no, it. No, I genuinely How did many, not did, like when it. When did you watch it, Alvin Trust? I probably, ago? well, to be fair, I probably watched it when I was about 16. So okay. it probably wasn't in my right. wheelhouse. I'm going to yeah. insist then that you take that Blade Runner poster down. That's what I mean. It's like I probably would have yeah. had a poster. Like, take, this is really take cool. Take it down tonight, Steph. Yeah. No, no, no. I'm keeping it up. I'm putting it on my bed. I'll give you a new poster of Blade Runner 2049. <laughs> That'd be great. I'm replace it. Is it got I'm gonna, on it? Yeah, of course. Fantastic. Um, I'm going to force you to watch it. I don't know how. I might, maybe I'll kidnap no, you. No, I will. You to, I will watch anything. Oh, you should only watch, watch it at the IMAX. Okay, I'm going to lend the. I've got, I have got about. Because the funny thing about Blade Runner is it came up famously, there are five versions of it. Because director what? Ridley Scott directed the original. It constantly wasn't happy with it, and he ch changed it at least five times. And if you get there's a new like Blu-ray special edition of it, which has got all the five editions of it, it's an unbelievable. He, I mean, he changes every film he's ever done, but 
yeah, it's I don't think Kay will like it, so I want to talk I'll warn it. you that the other thing to say about it is two, hour, two and three quarter hours. I mean, it is spectacularly oh, long. Okay. I know, you're not going to see it now. She's out. You? You're out. I watched the first 10 minutes to see that Vista and then I'm over it. So I can show it's on no, the poster. The LA View. You oh, yeah, the LA View. Yeah. Well, no, that's in the original. Well, there's another LA View in this one. I can't say anything about how it's Yeah, you're lending me the original. The, oh, yeah, the original. Sorry. No, the original's not, it's only two hours. Sorry, the new one's two hours, two and three quarter Oh, I can hours. do two hours. Yeah, the new one's two and, two and three quarter. And the music, the incredible music, is by Hans Zimmer. But I'm really getting the feeling you like this film. That's all I'm saying. It's how really many good. It's up there. You? It's five. It's up there. It's now in my top three favorite films of the year. What's your top three so far? Dunkirk. Yeah. Baby Driver. Oh, yes. Okay. Yeah. La La Land's still not making it onto the list then. La La Land was A, last year. I saw it last year. And B, it's not, no. It's not films of the year according to when Boyd's seen them. It's films of the year according to their release date. That's it, just not the way it works. In my mind, it's when I've oh. seen them. In Boyd world. <laughs> I refuse to change that. Just for you. <laughs> Miss Anti-Dystopia. Anti-Dina. One day we Anti-D. might do, a, I feel like we do a special dystopia why, podcast. Well, why no, no, would no. you do that? Where you explain why and why you just... I will. To, okay. I'm happy to do that. Let's do it. We'll do dystopian special and I will explain I mean, no at length. Yeah. Let's move on, shall we, to the meat of the show. Starting with Louis yeah. Theroux, Dark States. This is a new three-part series in which he's looking at, as the title suggests, the darker side of, if we can call it, Trump's America. Mm-hmm. And he begins with Heroin Town. Kay, would you like to explain more about what this documentary is all about? Yes. Basically, um, America's got a love affair with uh, prescription painkillers, as some of you may know. And it's led to widespread dependency on opiates like heroin. And so Louis Theroux goes and investigates, particularly goes to Huntingdon in West Virginia, where it's a particular problem. And what he does is actually he doesn't just talk to the drug addicts, but he talks to the law enforcement agents who are obviously dealing with a lot of ODs and crime surrounding the um, drugs and the families of those who are addicted but also and I thought it was most interesting of all he talks to people who have people who've got clean but also people who are drug dealing mm-hmm. um, and how they feel about it oh yeah people who are drug dealing people who are in the middle of I mean we do watch people mm. literally yeah. shooting and up and taking heroin if you think it's not bad here are some stats for you in West Virginia there, is this from in the other documentary? No, 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 this okay. is from this documentary. There are a thousand, there have been a thousand more ODs in 2017 than there were in 2016. That is how massive the problem is and how quickly the problem is growing. And I think, I'm just going to go straight in there and say, the brilliant thing about this documentary that Louis Theroux has done is that it's really important to know that the, none of these people, they don't start out just shooting up heroin. This is all about the people who have been in accidents and who are drug dependent for pain relief and then when that stops they need to go and find something because they, they've still got the pain but they haven't got the pain relief. So that is the huge problem. That's what was most interesting because I'm quite yeah. naive about the situation. I didn't realise that a lot of them were actually just using prescribed painkillers for, mm. as you say, and then that's how because they got stopped at the source and then they had to find something and then a lot of them were just saying, look, it's more readily available and it's cheaper than the prescription yeah. tablets. I just never knew. Because we know mm. there's a terrible healthcare yeah. system in America and it's very difficult to... And very expensive. Drugs in America are very expensive. But they're very expensive. But what the what one woman very early on in the, in the documentary explained, I thought was the key moment mm. for me, was she said that she knew her doctor was over-prescribing painkillers to her that he should not have been prescribing. Yeah. Because she, she was happy to come off them. She wanted to come off them. And she said to the doctor, pretty much, can, we, can, can I stop taking them? And he was like, you, should, you, you shouldn't be prescribing these to me. And he was like, no, don't care. And just kind yeah. of, that was the attitude. Yeah. And I think there are a lot, because of the system, yeah, because of the healthcare system, I feel there's, you know, there are rogue doctors out there who, of course. Uh, you know, A, they're kind of partly t- making money out of it. Yeah. It's all it's run all by a huge money. pharma, yeah. if you like. And hopefully we don't have that any, anything like the equivalent of that problem here. I think probably there are certain pockets of areas. But what again, what was really interesting was it's so focused in this particular area, isn't mm. it, that, that the epidemic has gone out of control there. Well, because well, it's it, the hub of heroin yes, right. yeah. in America. That's what describe if it, anything, it, yeah. we have the opposite problem here because we're on a national health system. They're trying to get the cheapest drugs available. But these, the yeah. stuff Cut that they Yeah, the exactly. Did you get a sense of, because I'm not sure if I fully understood. So I, I think, it's, I think you know, I lo- we love Louis Theroux. I love Louis Theroux. Everyone loves Louis Theroux. Yeah. And if you don't love Louis Theroux, you're some kind of freak. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I'm going to talk about one scene. There's, there are scenes in this. He also meets. So the one woman he meets who's addicted, who's living with the supplier, the yeah. guy who's supplying Cotillia's her. Cotillia, her name. 25-year-old. Thank you. See, someone takes notes. Living with Thank Alvin. God, someone takes notes. Alvin, who is supposedly her boyfriend, but is actually her drug dealer. Her drug dealer. Who, and she's also, she, cla- she says he's also physically 
abusive. abused her, mm. abusive to her, and she makes this quite clear. There's an incredible scene, isn't there, it's where she tells scene. him there was two scenes. There's one, so she tells Louis to to she tells the boyfriend to move out so she can explain to Louis to another room. Mm. She can explain to him that which was unbelievably. It's hardly covert. I was thinking he's lingering outside. What are you really doing? Really disturbing. And then later on. Slight spoiler alert, there's a confrontation between the three of them to address this issue, the fact that he is kind of just abusing her. Yeah. She's in this abu- horrible, abusive, psychologically yeah. terrible relationship with him. And Louis kind of addresses that. But the one question I have is, I didn't, still didn't quite understand why it's so focused on this area, why the problem is so much more intense. Did you get, did you get an understanding of that? Right. You Am ha- I stupid? No, you're not stupid. But I tell you, I'll tell you why it, oh, okay. it is. Oh, okay. Thank you. It, it, you sort of have to watch this other Netflix thing oh, that I've watched to understand why thing. it's a West Virginia problem. Right. It's it, what they're doing. It's kind of they've got the fire chief in it, and you do meet her, the one who goes around and she puts. I don't know, it's like a an injection or a she pen or thing. Do it, I do. Yeah. Yeah. That has become in West Virginia um, something that has to be administered by the fire service. Right. So this is because this oh, yeah, is that was co- weird. Yeah. Right, but Rather this is a new police. thing. The reason it's being focused on that area has been focused on, and I imagine the area that the reason they're able to get loads of stats on it and why this is an area of interest is because they started this new program in West Virginia ah, in America. Okay. Right. That means that. Um, firemen have to administer this rather than EMTs, okay? So I think that's why this area has come into focus because they've realised there's a huge problem and now in America, that's why it's been highlighted in this area. Okay. And that's why it's, you know, because they have the stats on it, that's why. Oh, okay. Interesting. uh, One thing that I found very interesting out of the whole thing, which obviously it was all very like informative is the drug dealer who lives in the forest oh, yes. um, he's such an interesting character because he throws a different kind of light on it yeah. because he louis kind of talking to him and he's very louis very good at saying you know what getting the whys of what mm. they're doing and he's like you know would you ever go to rehab and this guy is like just shot up and you know so he's on heroin when he's chatting to louis and he's like no man because why would I, it feels so good why would i want to come off this and, yeah, the, like, was, and the thing is, he's at the top of the pecking chain because he's like the drug dealer. He's getting the best kind of quality of heroin. And he's like, no, I don't. I, I like feeling like this. I, I mean, yeah, we'll just say he is living. He is living in a tent and he doesn't look like he's washed his hair or had a. a yeah, but a ironically, stuff, he's probably but, happier but than that's any of us in say. But the thing is, he is. He is so happy. And he does say and he is he his story is that he he was in a car accident and he took it for pain relief and he's got and he was saying which was really sad because he louis was like well don't you want to get off it for your child and he was like no i don't that, i just don't care about anything i'm so happy was he the um, one who said you robbed his ch- child once? yeah and yeah. he was like i'm just i'm really happy to be like this because this feeling is so good and he needs that feeling but it's all because of this car accident which mm. is just so so sad what was his name Take, uh, no, I don't know uh, his okay. name. Notes, notes aren't that. Uh, Why do you want to contact him? <laughs> no, I just want to make it look I'm happier than him. Yeah. I was just saying. <laughs> yeah. well, but Louis is very in, good. Dude in the forest. Dude in, dude forest, in the forest intense. tent. I'm happier than him. I still yeah. feel happy as he is on the heroin. But there's also another brilliant bit with that guy where Louis comes says comes to stop. I think I feel like his name might be Michael. Says, "Are you ready to be interviewed?" And then he says, "Oh, hold on a minute." And he actually has a young woman in his tent. And you think, "Oh God, this oh this drug." terrible drug addled female's going to come out and it's going to be really awful he's had her in there all night. and out walks this actually very very glamorous sort of yoga type woman and that's yoga really yeah but she One looks like she's yogas. been to yoga and she looks very healthy and she's got beautiful oh, glossy hair yeah. and she says oh yeah I've been on it for two years she's got beautiful teeth and that made me really sad because yeah. I just thought and they all said didn't they she's she's not going to look like that forever because yeah. in a few years she's going to look terrible she's well, going to have no months, teeth she's going to have yeah. no teeth but she'd been on it for two years and she looked amazing still but, but we're not mean, it's only a matter of time it's only a matter of time before that catches up with Those you say, <laughs> I don't want the takeaway from this podcast to be <laughs> oh, no. that we're none of us are as happy as the guy in the forest who takes her in or and that you have to be really glamorous you can be on her for two years like the woman in the as tent. long as you do yoga she's no, you going to lose all the teeth and she's going to look like an old hag oh, in a few months time oh god yeah make that clear? yeah she's going to look terrible but that's but, like, they make that point which is really important it's like yeah if you if you keep going, you're going to yes. have no teeth left. Yes. And but teeth it does, are important. It does make it clear. Not just teeth, everything. <laughs> you're going to lose all your looks if you go on heroin yeah. for more than a couple of years. We but shouldn't laugh at heroin. What is, we're laughing at heroin, okay? We're laughing at mm. the scenario that we're, we're laughing at ourselves talking about the programme. <laughs> Let me make that clear as well. But it does ram home, yet again, for me, mm. the Theroux mm. oh, brilliance. Because 
particularly that scene that I've already mentioned, I'm going to mention it one more time, where he, where he forces them. He doesn't force, in fact. He just enables the confrontation between the girlfriend and the horrible drug dealer boyfriend yeah. standing there in the middle of the street. Oh, yeah. And it's so brave. And he's, it's just, he's very he's disarming. He's the master of the master. subtle enabling of he a situation. Is. He subtly cajoles people yeah. into talking about things and he just does it. Such a, so yeah. you, you don't know it's happening. He's like, is, did, did she break her nose? Did you? You know, and you yeah. think... There's no choice but to like relent and mm. tell him everything. Mm. It's uh, masterful. And, just, and the other thing to say, I think, for me that I thought was, and this is true of most of his recent. I think this is his thing now for me is cause mm. looking at the what links his recent documentary. Where he goes to prisons and he interviews people who you know psychopaths or you know yeah. paedophiles or all, all, a lot of the subject matter of his recent stuff, which is very grim, you know, and bleak. But it's all about you. Don't see these people. I mean, you see yeah. you see them in probably on Netflix or the programs you're talking do about. You see them on Netflix. But the way he talks to them, I don't feel you see that. He talks to them. He talks to everyone exactly the same way. Whether it's Jimmy Savile yep. or some drug addict on this or a psychopath in the prison, or you know the way he talked to celebrities back yeah. in the day when he did celebrity interviews. Yeah. And everyone in exactly he treats everyone exactly the same through way. Yeah, a very friendly. Yeah communication and I think it's so clever and it brings out so much and you do find out these are these are three dimensional real human beings who happen to have ended up addicted to heroin. How many stars Kate you're giving Louis through Doc States colon heroin town? BBC two, Sunday the eighth of October, nine PM. Four and a half. Yeah, I'm gonna four and a half as well. Steph, mm, I feel you're veering towards five. I, I am veering towards five because you're right on my street. Thank you very much. And now we've got a comedy. Let's it, lighten Hold on Boyd. Q, sharp contrast. I know. Ugh. I was going to try and avoid saying it this week because well, I've said it every single can't. week for the last six months. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. In sharp contrast, <laughs> Time Wasters is the brand new comedy coming to ITV2. It starts with a double bill of episodes next Monday, the 9th of October at 10pm. It's written by and created by a lovely guy called Daniel Lawrence Taylor, who also interviewed last week, by the way. You can see the results in Heat Magazine this week. You may recognise him from, among other things, he was in Julia Davis's um, historical Hunderby. comedy, Hunderbee in which all kinds of... He had to endure all kinds of indignity. Let's just put it that way, if you, anyone wants Hunderby. And um, he's also in Cockroaches and lots of other stuff. You'll recognise him. And he's created this show. And when I interviewed him, I thought it was best to explain what he said in the interview, because it's about a struggling four-piece South London jazz band in now, living now in contemporary world who suddenly travel back in time via a urine-soaked <laughs> lift to 1920s London. And so I interviewed him. I was like, how, do you, how did this happen? You know, did you think... Do you want to do a show about a group of people who you like first, the characters, really? Or do you, you know, do you want to do a time travel show? Or did you want to do a show set in 20s London, a period show? And he said, well, basically, the concept, that Cracker's concept came right at the end. So all he really wanted to do, he'd seen the Inbetweeners mm. and Plebs, you know, shows yeah. which I really love as well, gang shows, yeah. as they're known. And he wanted to do a gang show but about his, about his friends of his, basically, like Black guys and girls that he knew and there hadn't been a black a black gang show in his recent memory if you like so that was his kind of impetus and then right at the end he suddenly thought why don't I have them time travelling <laughs> to the 20s <laughs> oh, and not, that just I mean. enabled the whole thing in his mind to kind of it made it easier for him to write the whole thing he said in the end so that's what we've got and originally first, last thing I'll say about it he was going to call it Black to the Future oh that would have been so far oh, yeah, but he really wasn't allowed it, but he that joke allowed. isn't can I just say I really like this quote that's on the um, information that you've given us Boyd Daniel Lawrence Taylor said you don't don't see that many that many black people in period dramas or in time machines. So I thought I'd try to write about both. That's I mean that's perfect. Isn't and he it? has, doesn't he? <laughs> what did you think, Steph, of this show? Right, this is truly, truly, truly original. That's what I thought, and mm. I thought it was very, very funny. It reminded me a bit of. Um, did you ever watch um, Phone Shop? Yeah, of course. Yeah, oh, on the E4. That's one of my faves, Phone Shop. So uh, there hasn't been anything kind of as funny as Phone Shop for a while, or using that kind of a uh, street vernacular, should I say? And I found I found that really funny. Being from Luton, where lots of people uh, oh, actually talk yeah. like that, yeah. I found that really funny. I thought it was a completely original concept. I loved the way that they were able to kind of interweave kind of oh, I want to say casual racism like it's just oh, like yeah. a level of racism but make it humorous like there's a bit in it where they say um skiing and brunches skiing and brunches <laughs> reserved for white people and there were lots of things like that which I just thought well oh, when they arrived in the 1926 and they're like let's stick let's stick to together and avoid the plantation yeah, yeah. And yeah. so a lot of I think that's making light of a kind of historical 
terrible racism is is very yeah. funny. Like they walk into a shop where they're going to get uh, suits made, and a man is actually reading a magazine which is about um, <laughs> cannibals from the Congo, which has got pictures, <laughs> illustrations of four black people in it, and then he looks up at them, and I. I think it's a very light relief. Yes. Um, in episode kind of two, um, so there is a double bill. Do you watch? Did we all watch both episodes? Yeah. Just yeah. testing you here. Yeah. I mean, feel free to say no or lie. Um, in episode two, Nigel Havers pops up. Brilliant. Yeah. This, oh like lead, this lead of this kind of racist cult is obsessed <laughs> with trying to work out what's going on with black people, mm. which back in the 20s, I'm sure it actually happened. And there's really funny the fact that Daniel Lawrence is Taylor's character. Um, he. By the way, he does also star in it. We should say it stars him, Kadif Kiwan, who you recognise from Chewing Gum and Crims, who's brilliant in Chewing He was the best mate yeah. um, in Chewing Gum. Adelaya Adidaya, who's been in Skins and Some Girls. She's brilliant. And um, Samson Kaya, who's in Youngers and the Javon Prince Show. They are all brilliantly funny, yeah. I think. And part of the key to why I think it works so well is it's like the in-betweeners. The chemistry. The chemistry between... I think yeah. we're going to get to know these characters in the same way they, they worked in the between us, you just immediately know what each one, the kind of thing yeah, they're going to do their, and say. They've yeah, got their, their character is very, very immediate, Yeah, isn't very it? well defined, yeah. yeah. And I just think you know where you are with them and, and, the, and, the, and the interplay between them is brilliant. I think, I think it is really up there with that kind of show. I think it's exciting. If this is Daniel Lawrence Taylor's first thing, like... His thing. first thing he's written, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah so can you imagine what's going to come, like how yeah. amazingly well he's going to do? I yeah. like, who's the guy who play, who's the one who plays the kind of like, to, like the token really good looking one? The oh, ladies' man. The ladies' man. Kadif, yeah. man. Kadif Kiwan, yeah, oh, who I met a couple of times. Yeah. He's brilliant. He reminds me of Dwayne from uh, Phone Shop. Yes. He's just, he was, he was stand up for me. Yeah, I he, he is brilliant. And he insists on getting naked. And he does. Episodes, and yeah. he does get yeah. naked so in episode, episode two. So in episode two, he gets naked. And again, I interviewed them all. And he told me the story of that, which was in the original script, it just said he drops his trousers to his boxer shorts. But he himself insisted on dropping full trouser to reveal full bottom and nakedness. Yeah. Bravo. In front of Nigel Havers. And it is a great bottom. It is a good bottom. He wins best bottom of no, the week. No, no, of the week. Yeah, I, I was going to oh, say. What were you gonna say? Yeah, yeah, well, I, I thought say. you were going to say of the year. And oh. this is a year where we've seen Kit Harrington's bottom in a big scene. And oh, we've yeah. also seen Benedict Cumberbatch's. So, That's you know, true. don't. I don't know. I Go think, too early on the bottom. I think the Kiwan bottom might might be better than all those. Mm. Right. right. Well, well here's a, a pog poll coming up. Yeah. yeah pog poll coming up. Kadif Kiwan um, is Kadif Kiwan's bottom the best of all? And it's not just about his bottom. This is also a really joyous. I think it's a really funny, it's smart, witty show. And I think it's brilliant. By the way, it's on ITV Two. Also do plebs, of course. Yeah. Currently showing Bromans. Has anyone watched Bromans yet? Have no, we about but Bromans? I <laughs> we, should, we should get back to yes. that. Yes. Um, heard a lot about but they it. do have. I think it's really good that ITV Two is commissioning yeah. new young talent, scripted comedy, and a lot of other places don't bother at no, all. No, and I think we should really get behind this because I think it's. Luck, I feel lucky that they're making yeah. stuff like this, as, as you Big just time. said. It's, it's great, and it, it's so original. Yeah. It's, I really hope it does well. Okay, how many stars? Have you anything else to say before we give you a star rating? I just want to tell you that I'm giving this four and a half stars. I I'm, loved it. I think I'm going to give it four and a half as well. I'm going to give it four. Oh. Good work. That's Time Wasters. Okay. Time Wasters starts on the ITV2 next Monday, the 9th of October at 10 o'clock with, I believe we've already mentioned, a double bill of episodes. Finally. And oh my God, we've left it to last. But for many people, <laughs> people of a certain age like me, who grew up watching the original <laughs> Dynasty. Wow. Yeah, this is a big moment. This is oh, good recollection oh, of the... Um, good recollection listen, of the theme I just, how did you, I, just, I was just taken by the music. Kay, and I, yeah. how by any chance, how did you remember that theme tune? Oh my gosh, i tell you why, Bobby. Oh, yeah. Because in the first scene of this new reboot, um, a young Stephen plays it on the piano. He does. How smart. How cute. Did you notice that, Steph? I did not Your notice that. Yeah. Your jaw has dropped. There's a brilliant moment, everyone. In this remake, this reboot, it's a just it's a remake, isn't it? It's a complete remake. They've taken the original story and ideas and characters, and they've recut. It's not a sequel or a prequel. It's just they're remaking but the whole effing thing. Yeah, but they've very oh, cleverly drawn comparisons to modern day celebrities. Oh, yeah, so no, in the no, opening no. scene was very clever. Of course, I'm just saying it is. Okay. I'm just saying I'm the just Colby's trying to define and the it. I'm saying it's not it's not a prequel or sequel. It's a reboot. Yes. Do you remember the, the Dallas reboot was a pre, was a sequel, wasn't it? Effectively, they had new younger characters and they still had Jr. and Sweller uh, and all that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I'm so it's different. They still okay. This yeah, is yeah, they've yeah. got the characters of the original, yeah. but they're they're all just new people set now in the present yeah. day in Trump's America. In they Trump's make that America, point, yeah. They? And so there is this brilliant scene early on where they have a flashback to the young kid and he's playing the Dynasty theme tune on the piano. I thought, I thought it was really very clever. Good, yeah. Very clever. But generally, who wants to describe? 
what the hell is going on? No, Kay's shaking her head. I'll do, okay, Steph's shaking right, her head. I mean, okay, you know. fine. This you, is by a the classic. Way, if either of you watched, you, you're both young. You're probably too young, aren't you? No, Boys, you keep saying we're young. We're not that young. I mean, I'm very young. What, you're telling I, me you watched Dynasty back in the day? I it was it used to be on TV. I was more Dallas. I have oh to say. yeah, well yeah. there was it was there was a big divide. Yeah, I watched both. <laughs> Steph, Steph, did you watch I, Dynasty I, the original? I, I mean, firstly, I call it Dynasty um, because I don't know why we why it's not it's Dynasty, right? Yeah, yeah, that's the, that's how we pronounce it in this country. But in in America, it's Dynasty. Oh, yeah, because it's Duck keep, Dynasty. Didn't you why they keep saying the word Dynasty in the show just to remind you no, why it's called that. Dynasty? Mm, okay, no? I'll let okay, that carry go. on. Right, Dynasty. Yes. Okay, do you want me to give it a little describe? Yeah, go on. Okay. It literally, if you had no, if you have no recollection of that, if you were a young person, right, two big, huge American, very rich families, the Colbys and the Carringtons, there's, they're, they're a huge, it's a massive rivalry between them. The Carringtons, um, the, he's divorced his wife, but he's got these two children. One Blake. Called, huh? Blake Carrington. Blake Carrington, sorry, yeah. He's got two, one, his daughter is called Fallon, and his son is, what's his son called? Stephen. Stephen, okay. The piano player. Who's so, gay, and he was gay in the original. See, they're very much sticking right, to the original okay. plan. And same. then um, it, they make it clear very early on that, that he really hates the Colbys. And the Colbys, I don't remember this from the original, but the, the Colbys, and obviously in this version, they're paid by uh, an African-American family, aren't they, oh, yeah, in this that's version? New, yeah. That's new. No, no, it was not in the no. original. The original is probably one of the least diverse yeah, um, so programs in history. So this, is, this is Dynasty Diverse. Yeah. Um, and it, it's just a big, big massive family feud. Of riches and spoiled people. You're calling it a melodrama. You're straight in there. So in the, in, in it's the, unapologetically yeah, soapy, yeah, yeah. isn't oh, it? Oh yeah. Back in the day. Yeah. Well, this is the thing. It's a soap because back in the day, back when Dallas and Dynasty were the two. I'm calling it Dynasty. Okay. Were the two big beth- behemoths. Mm. I'm using that word. Yeah. Of American and British TV, they were both these. Like, Dallas came first, and then Dynasty came along second. And but at one point in the mid '80s, pretty much. They were both these huge, massive hits, both in America and here, and they went on for years and years and years and years. And they were called soaps. They were called primetime mm. soaps. And they were both quite, it was quite a new thing, really. Cause it wasn't a disc back then. Oh, no, no, no. But yeah, but in America, like all this, there were daytime soaps, like Days of Our Lives and all those things. But they don't have like those half hour, like EastEnders, Coronation Stripe mm. type shows at yeah. all in primetime. They just have these things. As you call it, it is a melodrama, yeah. It's like a big, over the top thing. My question is the original Dynasty, much as I loved watching it, was terrible. I mean, it was by and large a load of old shit. Yeah. I mean, and I think in fact, the acting on this is a bit better than. Oh yeah, well, yeah. I was going to say the acting is better, but the question: the, the first season of Dynasty also wasn't particularly a hit, and they've gone back, and they th- this first episode is pretty much the same thing that happens at the beginning. Is of the, it? Yeah, pretty you, much. You cast Honestly, your mind back. I remember, yeah, <laughs> Fallon. Well, I remembered, and then I checked on the internet, and it's true that the original was all about Fallon expecting to be made head of the company, and Blake Carrington introducing his new wife to be, who's going to be their stepmother, and everyone being arguing about it, and and the, the gay son and him disapproving of the gay son and all of that I mean back then it was all about his homophobia towards the son whereas it's, it's still a bit of that right. but, but not come quite come a long way come, we've come some way yeah but anyway the, what I'm asking is it, does this feel dated because there aren't that many of these types of shows now in America which is you know about big families arguing and rich people and in that like the Kardashians way. No, no, but dramas, that's something, scripted yeah, yeah, yeah. dramas. Does it feel, in this world of peak TV, you know, right. does it feel weird that they're still trying to do this type of show? I'm glad I got that question out. Okay, right. I think, I know Kay's just said she, she thinks on the acting is this. I think the acting is absolutely terrible. It's over-dramatised and it's absolutely mad by But that's completely... How, that's the original. But, right, Hold on, wait, hold on. I'll wait for wait, the end of the sentence, but I everyone. I completely loved it because I actually think... One Tree Hill, Dawson's Creek, all of those, all of those kinds of things. I really liked those, and they were, they weren't. Like, it wasn't the best acting in the world, was it? And I think you, if you want to watch this, you want to, you want to watch it for the kind of. You don't want to watch it for Netflix level acting, no, do you? No, really? or, what, or scripting or anything. No, you don't. You want you want the fight scenes. You want the hair pulling. You want the you want the dramatic tension, which is ridiculously overplayed. Yeah. I really really liked it. There I was thought it was exactly what I want. There was almost oh, a, cat so the, fight, the, the cat, cat fight. fight. So the, again, the original. But interestingly, in the original, Joan Collins' character didn't arrive to season two, and they haven't 
brought in her character yet, the equivalent of her now, character. Now, I'm looking forward to seeing yeah. her Alexis. Later. Yeah, Alexis yeah. hasn't... They've mentioned her, his ex-wife, but she hasn't arrived yet in this series. I wonder when, when she's going to arrive. And they're making this big... I was reading up on it that they haven't announced who's playing her yet or anything. So I didn't even, don't even know she's it's in this series. be a big reveal. But the first series was famous for the cat fights between her and um, Crystal. Yeah. And they were ludicrous and funny. And they used to have at least three every year. And yeah. it was preposterous. But they managed to have a cat fight in the first episode. Yeah, definitely. And it's got a real Gossip Girl vibe. So anyone who likes yes. Gossip Girl. Mm. And I mean, I'm loath to compare it to the OC because the OC was far superior than anything. But um, Josh than Schwartz. anything. Than anything in the world. But Josh Schwartz, who was behind the OC, is also behind this, created this. And behind um, Gossip Girl. I don't. Yeah, okay, fine. Well, you said it. I'm just adding the <laughs> okay, extra fine. knowledge that he's not only is he behind your favourite show, he was behind Gossip Girl, so which you mentioned just really, now. So this is really made for you. If yeah. you didn't like this, there would be a big problem. You wouldn't call Joe. Yeah, exactly. No, I, I, like, I really love the OC. But I think this is good, and it's like it's completely frothy. And so if yeah. you want a bit of light relief. The only complaints I have is that um, Alan Dale's in it, who is a fantastic actor who I love. This is the point, right? He is Jim Robinson from Neighbours. He's also um, Caleb Nichol from The O.C. He deserves to be a bigger character than a butler. I think he's going to be a bigger character, though. Okay, he's fine. The, he's the butler. He's butling, but he's going to be more. He's going to uh, be doing more than butling. He's, isn't he? he's much more yeah. than a butler. Be. Okay, that's what. At I'm one point, someone pointedly asked him, "What kind of butler are you?" And he kind of says, ah, "I do all kinds of yeah. mate, or something like that." Good. That's my he's the one. He does. Him. He does background checks on people. Yes. And as you know, it's like the law that uh, that Alan stars in the first series, the first series of any new American drama. Alan. Yeah. You know him? Your, Al, mate, yeah. your mate Al. Al yeah. yeah. He always, every new American drama yeah. that happens, he has to be in at least one or two episodes. I thought it was fun. Yeah, I, I think, you know, now my, I'm not entirely sure. So this is going to be on a weekly basis on Netflix. It's not one of their shows that's dropping all in one go. It's going to be go week by week, um, starting next Thursday, the 12th of October. But are you going to carry on watching it week by week? Is it on your, is it going to be on your mental no. list? No. I'm going <laughs> to wait, no I'm gonna wait till I've got some slides or something and then I'll watch all of it. Oh, okay. But you, still, you will watch all of it. I though. will watch all of it because I enjoyed it. Okay. I'm going to dedicate my TV watching time to time wasters, I have to say, over this. That's only half an hour a week, Kay. Yeah, I know. Do you know how busy I am? Do you, this busy. pottery doesn't make itself, Boyd. Yeah, it doesn't. This pottery? Yeah. Do you want to inform the listeners oh, what I the hell pottery. you're talking about? <laughs> Just I suddenly know. mention pottery in the middle of the podcast? Well, she's, well, she showed me a really, really nice bowl. You're a potterer. I, I, mean, I try and do some pottery. Yeah. You throw down. The yeah. great, the great K excited. pottery throw down. I'm excited for that to come back yes. on TV. Right. You should the enter it. Great throw down. You should enter it. Yeah, oh, I don't know. I think nice. you have to be able to do throw stuff on the wheel. Yeah, but then we'd have to review her on this podcast and that would be awkward. You'd get five. I think it'd be fine. So when you've got your pottery out of the way, and when you watch Time Wasters, which is half an hour a week, you might get around to watching um, the rest of Dynasty. Dynasty. Three stars from me. <laughs> Straight in there. <laughs> star eight. Move on. That's Kay's way. That's Kay's passive aggressive way of saying move on, you twat. <laughs> just that. Just aggressive. I'm going to give it three and a half. I'm giving it three and a half as well, Boyd. Yeah, yeah okay. I think it's three and a half. That's, that's, uh, it does that's exactly what it says on the tin. Which is B Dynasty. B Dynasty. A remake is. of Dynasty. And now, finally, it's that one of the favourite times of the week. Well, the favourite time. Right. Kay, remember what we're doing. <laughs> we're not doing um, the song. We're just doing the words. Okay. I don't know. It's question time. Question. Oh, what? boy, that's boy, our. Boy, that's our gig. Oh, that's, that's the one thing we're bringing. What you mean? Uh, Boyd. <laughs> You bought, originally, we weren't even supposed to speak on this podcast. We were supposed to just be the jingle people. So why are you trying to take the one thing that we do? Are you saying the format is that you sing and then I say it's question time? I thought I, I said it's question time. You just don't say it. Just don't say it. We say it. Ooh, I have Stay no idea. Stay in your lane, Boyd. Okay? Well and truly yeah, told. Right, okay. Right. Question time. Oh, I didn't know you were going to do that, did I? How am I supposed to know? Because right, we'll we do it every it. week. You take it every week. Last week was the oh. first time you did it. No! Oh. We, last week we reduced from the full jingle to that, okay? Uh, that's what I mean. So this week's question in honour of Time Wasters, which oh, it's been described as a gang show. This is what, in fact, Daniel, the creator, when I interviewed him, said, I want to do a gang show. Mm. And I think what he meant is that genre is like a comedy about a group of mates, effectively. Right. You know, that hang out together and have adventures and escapades together. So the question is, what is your favourite all-time gang show? I'm going to go for the original Friends, Right. It is the classic. I'll be there for you. Yeah, always. Yeah. Obviously, Chandler back in the day was my favourite because I'm a big fan of sarcasm. Moved on you to are. Ross. Um, so, yeah. It was a groundbreaking show, though, because people forget, I think, maybe who weren't around at the time, as old as me, that were there because, you know, there were lots of high concept sitcoms about aliens living with families. And then this was yeah. just a show just about a group of six 
mates who like coffee together, who are all incredibly likeable and funny who like coffee exactly mm. it had the aspirational thing of hanging out at the at the cafe, coffee shop yeah never doing any work just drinking a lot of caffeine right and that was just like felt like really good fun yeah, yeah. You, know, you know it was good choice good choice, good choice. Oh, thanks, guys. we approved not that you need our approval no Steph okay well firstly my favourite gang show is the gang of us three doing this podcast oh. okay thanks. yeah, yeah. Is also a gang good show. point well, but mate. in reality it is of course sex and the city Oh, it's another good choice. Oh, my God. I was going to do the whole theme tune then, but I'm not going to. There's nothing better than four crazy women (laughs) romping around New York, dressed to the nines. and Buying lots of stuff. Buying lots of stuff, even though they have no money. Well, Carrie didn't have any money, and she seemed to buy lots of stuff. But, yeah, that is 100% the best gang show. And that's quite topical, of course, because they announced (gasps) this week that Sex and the City 3, thank... F uh, is not on. happening. Oh, I know. No I'm happy needs, about that. Yeah, no, no one needs another After shoddy, one. grotesquely no, awful film. The first one was fine. The second one was one of the worst films ever made. The second one was in Dubai, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Horrendous. Had that all horrendous. Horrendous. Okay, yeah. it was questionable. But the but show itself, I think I was going to say the show itself, you know, was great. When it's like people forget, again, forget how groundbreaking it was. Swearing, people, women talking about sex. Groundbreaking. The C words. Remember that episode where they all went to the art gallery and there was just yeah. all the paintings of C's? Yeah. Women's, women's genital but areas. can I just say, I know you're saying you're happy that the film's not getting made, but don't you think that the third film could be a, a way to like make it all better again? You say that, but inevitably it'll be I think the damage just, has been done yeah, for that franchise, film franchise. It's too late, it's over. Scathing for me. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe in ten years' time, like a half no, hour reunion. Okay. Not even ten years. No, okay, But fine. Boyd, yes. what is your favourite well, gang? in an entirely unsurprising move, because I do mention this programme pretty much every week Sherlock. in one way or another. No. Sherlock isn't a gang show, I don't think. Seinfeld. Just, Seinfeld. Yes. Yeah. Oh, God. Because <laughs> Seinfeld was... Because Seinfeld had these four buddies yeah. hanging out in the coffee shop even before Friends had the six buddies hanging out in the Ooh. coffee shop. Let's face it. Well, it was okay. a diner, really, well, Diner slash... Yeah, An eatery. Diner slash coffee shop. It wasn't like a... It was not just about coffee. No, they ate no. as well, yeah. But in, in America, you call them coffee shop, don't you? Anyway. I don't know. We'll get over that. It was... Absolutely phenomenally funny, and mm-hmm. again, everyone you just wanted to be in their gang, yeah, and hang out with particularly I did with George and Jerry and just mm. chew the fan, talk, talk shit, talk nonsense, a bit like us, yeah, yeah. And of course, I just want to quickly say, co created by Larry David and Joe Seinfeld, oh. and last night. <gasps> this is Tuesday, Pogout's Day, but last night on Monday was the start of the new series of Curb, Your Enthusiasm. Oh, We've been so waiting excited. six years for it. And Did it, it was, live up to your expectations? It, every, it was so brilliant to have it back and just to have Larry. It was almost like he's testing himself really? to see what outrageous stuff he can get away with. You know, it was about, if you haven't seen it, it was about the idea that Larry had spent the last five years writing a stage musical called Fatwa <laughs> about the Fatwa placed oh on Salman Rushdie by the Ayatollah Khomeini. And it was absolutely... Oh, we need to watch it. And there was a whole thing about lesbian, this lesbian couple getting married and who should be the bride who should be the groom it was like he was absolutely testing everyone to their limits as to what is acceptable mm. to put on He's tv and he gets away with it and there's this whole thing you know this whole mel brooks thing recently he said that he couldn't make blazing saddles or something yeah, this, because, yeah. because of political greatness it's such I, I love mel brooks he's a legend but it's nonsense because kirby enthusiasm he, is literally the most politically incorrect thing that's ever yeah. been shown on tv and is even more politically you can correct. do you can do those things now yeah well that's it short of me going on about kirby enthusiasm for another hour which i could happily do we'll take okay. it off pod we'll take it off i want to thank everyone for listening and it's a goodbye from me it's goodbye from me it's goodbye from me